Amen. Hey, lots of stuff coming up. Pastor Bill Shear is going to be with us September 24th. It's a Monday, Monday night, man day. So we're going to have a men's thing. We'll just stay tuned for the info, but mark your calendar now. And uh, it's going to be crazy. I know we got man camp coming up in September, uh, right at the first of it, the month. We got all kinds of cool stuff, but make sure that you're engaged. You're being a part of what God's doing. Amen. You know, so many times we want God to bless what we're doing instead of us doing what God's blessing. And I, I just want to encourage you to, to uh, you, you know, we, we're singing today, and, and uh, you know, and, and this is how I fight my battles, and then we, we turn it into this is how we fight our battles, and, and man, and just know that you're never fighting alone, and, and, and you get to fight with each other. Well, I think it should be for each other, probably not with each other, right? Because that that's what we normally do at church. We fight with each other, but let's fight for each other. But some, how many you know that sometimes you're in the middle of a fight, and I don't, care, I don't care how crowded the environment is, you're alone. You are on your own. And, 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 you, you know, and I know you got people who are for you and not against you, and you got people who are praying and believing and investing. But sometimes, man, it don't make any difference what's going on. I don't care who's holding your hand or patting you on the back or giving you attaboys. You still feel alone, and, and, and it feels isolated. But you're never really alone, are you? Because God's on your side, right? I said, God's on your side. I said, God's on your side. And what we want to learn to do is stop seeing it like the enemy sees it and start seeing things like God sees them, right? So because, you know, the enemy wants you to see it like, like you got problems and like you got warfare and like, like you got failures and like you got defeats. But God wants you to see it like, hey, you're being developed, you're being trained, you're being elevated, you're getting stronger, you're getting wiser, you're getting better. See, see, God wants you to know something that he has. The Bible says, no eye is seen, no ear is heard, neither has it entered the heart of any man. The things that God has prepared for those that love him. How many of you guys love God? Come on, do you love God? If you, well, do you love him enough to raise your big old fat, heavy hand? Come on, do you love God? I mean, it ain't that hard, is it? We ought to be so stinking excited. I'm telling you, we should be so pumped because God, the creator of the universe, Man, the guy who put it all together, the, man, he, he had a dream about the future. He saw where you fit, and that's why you're here, because he believes in you. Come on. He, he has prepared things for you. I said prepared, made ready in advance. There are things in front of you that God is preparing you for so that you'll have a collision with what he's prepared for you. And, and, and the thing that's in front of you, let me just share this with you. If you don't get anything else, make sure you get this. I mean, write it down, get it somewhere in you. I know some of you guys are so smart, you don't even need to take notes. But the fact is, is that you don't want to forget some of this stuff. And one of the things you never want to forget is that my final outcome is always better than my current condition. Okay? My final outcome is always better than my current condition. In other words, God has better for me. Man, I just want you to hear that. I just want that to ring in your spirit today. I, I, I want you to get that seed on the inside of you. Like, like, like uh, I, I want to say it, but I, I don't want to freak you out. But I, I want God's word to like, impregnate you with vision. That, 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 that you would begin to see God's got better for me. 
God's got better for me. You know, uh, man, you, 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 you go through life and sometimes stuff, it's like it's getting ripped from your grip. It's like it's being stolen. People are leaving. Relationships are failing. You know, uh, situations that you thought were going to go here ended up over there. And you, you might need to take a minute and wipe the tears from your eyes as you make this declaration. Yeah, but God's got better for me. God's got better for me. He's not trying to put me down. He's trying to elevate me up. He's not trying to harm me. He's trying to help me. He's got more life than death, more joy than sorrow, more peace than chaos, more hope than despair, more provision than lack, more healing than sickness. My God, somebody, he has better for me. I mean, really? Some of us look like people who've never met God. There are people who don't know God that have a better disposition than the people of God. Yeah. Something's wrong with that picture, right? Something's wrong. Well, what, what is the deal? Well, well, I got saved. I, you know, I raised my hand. I filled out the card. I bought a T-shirt and a bumper sticker. Uh, but, but you know what? I'm having a hard time dealing with life because life is hard. Well, Jesus even said, hey, in this world, there's going to be tribulation. It ain't, it's not a secret. Life's not always easy. Jesus said that the way to life narrows the gate. Difficult is the way. That sometimes it's hard. But some, some of us, you know what we need to do? Is like we, we need to take another step into the reality that God brings. Right? We need to have a revelation of who it is that's on our side. See, it, it's, it's your viewpoint of God and how you see things. I'm telling you that the reason God wants you in his word is because his word, his word contains his thoughts. So if you get the word of God and you start meditating, like, like you know, the Bible says, uh, this book shall not depart out of your mouth, but you meditate day and night, then you know what to do and you'll have great success. You meditate, you think on the word. Well, why, why do I have to meditate the word? Because the word will, will begin to, uh, you know, to, to release God's thoughts. Can you imagine that? that, that you can be thinking the thoughts of God, that you can think thoughts that God I'm promising you that not every thought running through your head today was a thought from God, okay? I promise you that not everything I think is a God thought, okay? But if I would take God's word and begin to meditate, then I'd start getting God's thoughts. Well, why is that important? Because God's thoughts give birth to an image. Every thought contains an image. Now I get, begin to see what God's seeing. And James put it this way. If, if you just get a teachable spirit and receive with a teachable spirit the Word of God, it has power. That, that's cool. It has the ability to produce results. What are the results? It'll save your soul. Okay? It'll save your soul. Your soul's the way you think, the way you feel, the way you make your choices. In other words, God's Word, if you meditate His Word, His thoughts will begin to overwhelm your thoughts. His thoughts will push your thoughts aside, and His thoughts will begin to elevate. And, and when you begin to get His thoughts, it's going to change the way you think, which if it changes the way you think, it's going to change the way you feel. If it changes the way you feel, it's going to change the choices you make. If it changes the choices you make, it's going to change the actions you perform. If it changes your actions long enough, it changes your habits. Change your habits, change your character, change your character, change your end result. Man, I'm telling you, God's Word's going to take you better, 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 better. Life's going to get better. Not easier, better, Right? But if, if, you, if you see Jesus, you know what his problem was? You know, there were places where Jesus, the Son of God, couldn't do miracles. There are places where he, could, he couldn't do anything except, well, heal a few sick folk. Why? Well, because people saw him as a carpenter. 
well, you, you know, that, that's, the, that's the son of Mary and Joseph. The, that's the carpenter's boy. See, if you see him like a carpenter, you get your house fixed. If you see him like a savior, like a Christ, you get your life fixed. See, you, you got to determine how you're going to see him, man. You, you, and you start taking his word, you begin to see some things differently. And God wants you to see that he's not, he's not playing. He's taking you to a better life. He's taking you, uh, my relationship's over. Yeah, but God's taking you somewhere better. My business failed. Yeah, but God's got better for me. Yeah, my car broke down. God's got better for me. Man, I've been struggling with my attitude. God's got better for me. See, and he's developing you. He's growing you because what's prepared for you is prepared. See, God's not building a better life for you. It's already there. He's building you so that you can possess a better life. God is at work in you. God is at work in you, making you both willing and passionate to do His will. Man, God's at work in you. Yeah, man, I just feel like, whoa, hold on here a second. I, I, I need to slow down right here because uh, there's, there's somebody that needs to get this. Because you're asking God to change circumstances. No, the circumstances, see, here's the problem. We end up, we end up talking about our problem and, and, we, and forgetting about our God. And yeah, we, we all have problems. We all have stuff. We all have challenges. But the place, the place that God's taken you, the place that's prepared for you. You, you know, TJ and Paige, not too long ago, what's it been, like six weeks, seven weeks? Huh? Ten. Gosh, time flies. I'm someday I'm going to say that. What's it been like? Six months? Ten months? Four years? Okay, <laughs> little Annie's going to be running around talking in a microphone. It, but they, they, you know, it's not like they've been home this whole time. Ten weeks? Ten weeks. It's not like they've been home ten weeks and suddenly went, oh, we should get a crib. We brought the baby home ten weeks ago, but maybe we should get a crib. No, you, guess what? It was prepared. And when they took the baby home, they were already ready. Why? Because, well, that's what parents do. That's what, that, see, that's what your father's doing. You're his child, and he's prepared things for you. It's ready. There's a better life waiting on you. There's a miracle waiting on you. There's a breakthrough waiting on you. There's a healing waiting on you. There's an increase waiting on you. Come on, somebody. They're, 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 you, it's waiting on you. God's working on you now to get you ready for what's ready for you. See, in Hebrews, in Hebrews uh, chapter 4, it starts off this way. It says, let us therefore fear. One of the few places in the Bible where God tells his people, hey, you should be very cautious. You should be afraid of this. I, I mean, it, and, and, you know, in other words, this should be really serious for us. That, that you, you, should, you should fear uh, a promise being left us of entering in his rest that you should seem to come short of it. Man, you, you should be afraid of missing what God's got ready because unto us the gospel was preached as well as unto them, but the word preached didn't profit them because it wasn't mixed with faith. But those of us who believed, we've entered into that place, into that rest. See, those of us that believe, we've entered into that rest. We, we've got it. That was your cue to go to the next verse. But anyways, uh, uh, the, the deal is, is that there is a place that's been prepared for you. You don't want to miss it. Come on, you don't want to miss it. You, you don't want to listen to the preaching, to the teaching of God's Word, and the Word of God not profit you. 
So, so in other words, you mean God's word cannot profit? Jesus said the traditions of men have made the word of God of no effect. Check this out. The same word that turned the lights on when everything was dark, I mean, that's a powerful word. The, the word that was sent and healed them, the, the word of God that will never return void without accomplishing the purpose for which it was sent forth to accomplish, the word of God, no word from God will ever fail. Why isn't it producing in my life? Because it has to be mixed with faith. You ever done that thing with uh, Diet Coke and Mentos? If you've never done that, today on the way home, Seriously, man, swing by, you know, Jiffy Lube or whatever and get yourself a liter, you know, a two liter, big, biggest can, get, get a nice big bottle of Diet Coke and a tuba of uh, Mentos. And, and just as you're driving home, take the lid off the pop. <laughs> and just slide three or four of those Mentos in there and just, you know, check it out. You know, it, it, the, the, the reaction of the two things put together is quite impressive. And, and when you take God's word, that actually mix it with faith. You can blow some stuff up. Hello, somebody. Man, it makes this huge, huge difference. But, but here, here's, what, here's what we got to wrestle against is the temptation to just be kind of like casual about God life. That, that, you know, hey, you know what happens is you start, you start moving towards the purpose of God for your life. You start embracing God's will for your life. You start, you know, leaning in to the things of God. But then it gets tough. And I don't know, there's something in our head that tells us that if it's really God, it should be easy. Let me tell you what that proves, that you haven't read the book. Anybody walking with you, everybody that walked with Jesus ended up in some kind of stinking storm. Man, there's always warfare. There's always confrontation. There's always opposition. But see, the place that God's prepared for you, and, and I like how the writer of Hebrews writes it. He said it's a place of rest. And, and, and he's not talking about laying down and taking a nap. He's talking about that in the middle of, of, of a hurricane, there's a peace that passes all understanding. That there's this place where even though life is hammering, even though, even though things are dropping heavy, even though it seems like everything in the stinking place is designed against you, there's something on the inside of you that says, God's got better for me. That I know that no weapon formed against me can prosper. And every tongue that rises against me, I condemn because this is the heritage of the children of the living God. I have strength for all things. I'm ready for and equal to anything that comes my way through Christ who is infusing me with an inner strength. I know it don't look good, feel good, taste good, smell good, but guess what? God has better for me. Hey, hey, hey. No, I know my kids have gone nuts, but all my children shall be taught of the Lord and great shall be the peace of my children. I know it looks like they're selling drugs. I know, I know it's kind of weird to be swinging past the, you know, the, the, the jail to set up a visitation. I, I, I know that... It probably shouldn't look like that, but let me tell you something. I got a word from God, and be of good cheer. Cheer up, everybody, because I believe God, and it will be exactly like he said. But see, what we, we, what we have to deal with is the fact that past disappointments have sucked the power out of our faith. You know, we've been let down because we thought it should go this way, and it went that way, and so we step back and act like, well, God didn't care. God, God, and you, you know full well, oh, yeah, he does. Oh, yeah, he does. He, he's making this huge investment in you. He's bankrupt heaven to get you back in connection with him, not so that you could almost have victory. He didn't rescue you. 
out of the miry clay and set your feet on the rock so you could almost get a healing. So that you could almost demonstrate Satan's defeat. So you could almost live a life of breakthrough. So you could almost make it to heaven. See, the people he's writing about. And, and can I just tell you, can I give you a little backstory on Hebrews? Hebrews is written, in, and, 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 and they argue, it's kind of cool because I, I kind of, I like some of this stuff. You might not care, but still, just give me a second. Um, they, they argue about who wrote Hebrews because, you know, maybe it was Paul, maybe it was Apollos, maybe it was, and I, you know, I kind of lean towards the guys that agree that it was Apollos because Apollos was, was really smart, and, uh, and, but it's written different. You know, the language is different in Hebrews than it is in Romans. It's just a different kind of writing altogether. And, and, uh, uh, but they were writing to people who had walked with God for thousands of years. Uh, I mean, these people carried the Ten Commandments. These people, uh, these people were steeped in tradition. They, they had the, uh, you know, the Feast of Wheat and the Feasts of Unleavened Bread, and they, they followed all of these traditions, but they had never taken the step into Christianity. And, and, and the writer of Hebrews is saying, hey, there's another step. There's another step. See, it was, see, in Romans, the Romans were, were polytheistic, which means that they had lots of gods, numerous gods that they worshipped. They just never worshipped God. So when they're dealing with those people, it's like reaching out to the lost, to people that don't know anything about God. But Hebrews is written to people who know God, but, but it's based on, uh, on Moses. Man, Moses is their hero. And they're, and they're very familiar with Moses, but almost totally inconsiderate of Jesus. And, and he's writing to him, and, and he makes this statement. Hey, you guys need to be afraid of this. You need to be afraid that you would receive the same message that we've received, but not mix it with faith so it could change your life radically. See, you, you need to understand that when God called Moses, and he's going to lead the people out of bondage and take them to a promised land, that God's intention was never that they would almost make it. But what happened is, is that they, you know, God begins to speak, and man, God's speaking, and it's powerful. He's speaking to frogs, and they're obeying him. He's speaking to mice, and they're obeying him. He's speaking to flies, and locusts, and lice, and all this stuff, and the people are seeing this, and they're, they're, and they're being let go by somebody who doesn't want to let them go. And not only did Pharaoh let him go, but they gave him all their money. They loaded them up with all their stuff, and they're headed out of town. And then, of course, they, 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 you know, they come to their senses, and they go, wait, we got to go pursue these guys. Now, now we're getting chased by these people. I thought God let us go, and, and we're being chased. So God splits the seas, and they go across on dry land, and they look back to see how, see how the enemy's doing this, coming after them, and the sea swallows them up. Can you imagine this? Man, we're talking about some crazy experiences. They're out in the wilderness, and, and, and you know what? It, it, it gets cold at night, so there's a pillar of fire. They're sitting there by a pillar of fire doing s'mores and wieners. Okay? It gets hot in the day, and, and they walk out, and there's a cloud that shades them, and they sip water from a rock. They, they, they go out every day, and Meals on Wheels has been by, and, and there's a family package waiting for you. It's crazy. They got shoes that won't wear out. What if you wanted a new pair? <laughs> Learn to give. Who do I give them to? Ain't nobody out here needing shoes? Oh, somebody got sick. Oh, tell you what. 
take a brass snake, wrap it around a post, put it up in the air, and all you got to do is walk out and look at it. He led them. He fed them. He healed them. He blessed them. He strengthened them. He encouraged them. You know what they did? Complained and murmured. In other words, the experiences that they were going through weren't making them any stronger. They were being taught the Word of God, but it wasn't profiting them. It sounds like church people. You've been saved about 100 years, but you're still depressed about something that doesn't matter. You beat up from the street up because we came in and the chairs are, the chairs are different. The chairs are different. The chairs are different. My God, you have to walk down the aisle and get into a chair. I cannot believe this. Oh, yeah, you're still here. <laughs> you have jacked up because the music's too loud. The Word of God hasn't profited you. You're upset because somebody said something. The Word of God hasn't profited you. They gave the job to somebody who doesn't deserve it. I've been there a lot longer. That guy just showed up a couple years ago. See, there's the thing. There's the point. You hit, you hit the point, but you overlooked it. You hit the point, but you overlooked it. That guy showed up. He worked while he was there. You complained while you were there. I know it's quiet. I know it's summer and we just want free ice cream. The Word of God needs to profit us. See, we need to be afraid, very, very afraid that we could be hanging around church but not growing. You need to be afraid, very, very afraid that you could be connected to God but have the same results as somebody who wasn't. You need to be very, very afraid that you can have t-shirts, bumper stickers, but an empty soul. Broken and depressed because stuff didn't go your way. Let me tell you something. David said, I look behind me. You were there, God. I look back at my life, and can I just tell you something? We have been through some stuff. I mean through some stuff. And the moments that we thought stuff was taking off and launching and, and, and you know, we, we, we were youth pastors, you know, 33 years ago, we were youth pastors and had 300 kids coming out of the woodwork in a town called Wilbur, Oregon. And they met us in the parking lot one night and said, hey, they don't want you working with the youth anymore. And I said, okay, what'd you do? Drove off mad, spinning the tire. No, we went to the service, went to the adult service. Stayed around there for months until it was, it was too awkward for them. They came and said, you know, this is just too weird. And, you, you know, and, 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 and then, I, then I hooked up with a great friend of mine and, and, and gave him a year just when Evan was being born. So where's, uh, how old's Evan? 28 years ago. Hey, man, you want to help us for a year? And the guy was having an affair. And, and, and to make a long story short, I, he was a good friend of mine. I went to him, and we talked, and, and, uh, uh, and he denied it. And, and then he said, well, wait, I thought you had integrity. And I'm thinking, me, you're, you're, you know, you're messing around, and now it's about me. And, and for almost a year, uh, he made me stay the year. 
And at the end of the year, things broke loose, and, and, uh, and I, we never said anything, uh, but, you know, but, but somebody else did. And it, it, it was the woman he was having the affair with, and, and, and she, she said something. And then uh, the, when they went and confronted him, he said, Tom got her to do that. Why, why would Tom do that? Because Tom wants this church. And, and this is my best friend in ministry. After two years of restoration in his life, the first place he preached was in our church in Salem. But just everything turned. And, and you know, there have been moments when, my God, it's like he got knocked down and, and you're getting kicked while you're down. And you're just trying to do the right stuff. But now I look back and realize that everything that we went through was good for us. You know, you look back at your life, and, and the thing that you thought was going to kill you, it didn't kill you. It made you stronger. Right. Why? Well, because Romans eight twenty eight that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose. Yeah. Because God ain't lying. So you can go ahead and cheer up. Yeah. I believe God. It will be exactly like he said. But you know what? In the middle of your stuff, when you're getting beat down and you feel like caving in and giving up and quitting, what you got to realize is that, wait a minute, i got to remind myself, God's got better for me. And if I, if I buy into the lie, I'm going to back up and I'm going to stop here and I'm going to almost hit destiny. I'm going to almost have a breakthrough. I almost forgave you. I almost loved you. I almost went to a cross and died for you. I was thinking about it. It really was. Can you imagine Jesus coming to you and telling you, hey, I, I almost, I almost sacrificed, I almost shed my blood for you. I almost rescued you from the pit of hell. But it got a little tough. People said things about me. People threw things at me. When people saw me associated with you, they treated me differently. So I kind of backed up and got a little bit quiet. See, you almost making it is not just impacting you. You almost walking with God. It's not just you miss God. But the people who would watch you walk with God, the people who would join you in the walk with God, the generation that God called you to impact, that one. I don't think you want to stand at the end of the day and say, well, I almost believed God. James puts it this way. Whenever you're going through a test or challenge, when you're getting hit from all sides, consider it a sheer gift. Oh, maybe we're seeing things wrong, because let me tell you something. When I'm getting hit from all sides, I'm not walking around going, ha, 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 this is awesome. But he said, here's the thing. You, you, know, you ought to consider it. You need to see it like it's a gift, because you know that under pressure, your, your, your faith life is forced out, and you get to see what's really in you. Why? So you can deal with it, so you can grow, so you can get stronger, so you can be better, so you can be more equipped, so you can be more prepared for where God's taking you. He said, don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Look at your neighbor and say, stop it. I mean, you're asking God, can you get this? Can you see this? That you're asking God to put an end to certain things that he's saying, don't ask me that. Because it's not done yet. It's not done yet. Anybody in here besides me like cake? Well, let's just pause for a moment and think about that. God. Big old fat chocolate cake. Mm. 
You ever baked a cake and pulled it out and it caved in in the middle? It's still edible. Trust me. But it's not pretty. You know, and, and, and we'll just leave that up there. I'm going to come right back to it. But, you, but, but, you know, I, I know people that, that work so hard to get the cake to not fall. I mean, you go over and they're baking a the cake. They're baking the cake, but they want to, shh, be very quiet. Don't slam the door. Don't want the cake to cave in. Noise isn't what makes the cake cave in. Okay, it's not altitude. What causes the cake to cave in is you pull it out of the heat prematurely. It's not done on the inside. It looks great on the outside, but it's not done on the inside. See, and if you keep getting out of the heat before you're finished, you'll keep caving in, even though you look good on the outside. You're not completed on the inside. You, you know why Moses never made it in? Remember back in the day when he killed an Egyptian and he buried him? You remember that? Anybody in here ever read your Bible? Moses, who wasn't an Egyptian, but he was raised by the Egyptians, who, 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 who saw an Egyptian beating up a Hebrew, and so he went out and killed the Egyptian. Then he went, oh, shoot. So he buried the dead Egyptian, which is what you do when you do something that's wrong. You bury it. And then you promise to God, I ain't never going to do that again. But instead of, you know what? God didn't want him just to stop the action. He wanted him to have a healing. But later on in life, he hadn't dealt with that inward thing. So what's he do? He strikes the rock twice, remember? And that's what prevents him from going into the promised land. You know, here's the deal. Is he almost made it. It wasn't God's plan to almost make it. See, it's not God's plan for you to almost have a good marriage, to almost have a successful business, to almost walk in health, to almost elevate to victory, to almost have your breakthrough. That's not God's plan. But if you don't let God heal you from the inside out, you can't go. You're not prepared for what God has prepared for you. So you got to quit trying to get out of stuff prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature, well-developed, not deficient in any way. Look at verse 12. i got to hurry, but check this out. In verse 12, it says, Anybody who meets the testing challenge head on and manages to stick it out. And listen, I love the Bible because it ain't trying to make it pretty. He's not telling you that you're not going to have challenges. And, 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 and he doesn't say they're going to be easy. No, you got to manage to stick it out. But you will be mighty fortunate. Why? Because the, the, the reward, look at it. The reward is life and more life. Here's what the enemy wants you to see. Death and more death. Destruction and more destruction. Failure and more failure. Disappointment and more disappointment. But God says, hey, stop it. you got to see what I see. Life and more life. Oh, come on, somebody. God's got better for me. I said, God's got better for me. You need to start declaring that God's got better for me. God's got better for me. God's got better for me. Life and more life. God, I, you know, it kind of makes you want to look at the devil and say, come on, bring it on. Oh, don't do that. Don't do that. That big mean devil, he'll come. If I'm going to humiliate hell, hell's going to have to show up. Come on, I'm, I'm going to close with this thought. And I love to close. Sometimes I do it like five, six times. Just give you a little bit of hope. I used to preach, I'd put a cert in my mouth, Keith. And then when the cert was gone, my message is over. Ran out of certs. They, I can't even find them anymore. So now I just use buttons. 
Some of you guys are, what? <laughs> you get it later. Okay. It's the gift that just keeps on giving. We want victory, but we don't want battle. It's like you want a job, but I don't want to work. I want a successful marriage, but I don't want to be a mom or a dad. I don't want to actually parent my kid. I just want to be a buddy. I want healing, but I don't want to admit sickness. I want prosperity, but I don't want to sow seeds. Our thinking's upside down. I want a future. See, God always has us going forward, never backward. He says, you know, you got to lean in. You got to strive for this thing. Well, you don't strive for something that's less than what you have right now. I mean, he wouldn't ask you to take your life and lay it on the line if what you were going to get when you're done is exactly what you got right now. See, that's why he said it didn't profit them. See, can I just, can I just get you to think this through with me for just a second? That what God has intended for you is increase life and more life. That his word would profit you. See, at the end of an event, everybody around here is, oh, all excited. We met budget. We met budget. I don't want to meet budget. That means that at the end, we are exactly where we were when we started. I don't want to put all this time and effort, you know, business owners, wouldn't you agree? You know, you know, Ron Swamby doesn't want to go out and buy meat and stand at 107 degree temperature next to a smoker so he can get into a small trailer and shove brisket out the window so at the end of the day, he's got exactly what he started with. You know, God's not invited you into an existence where if you can just make it from one weekend service to the next, hey, guess what? You're going you, you're gonna to make it. No, that, I'm not, I don't want to make it. I want to profit. God's got profit in mind for you. Every area of your life. You don't want to settle for some jack wagon sucker dude that's just going to barely get by. You want some guy that understands profit. Well, you serve a God that understands profit profit. He's making an investment in you, but he doesn't want the payoff to be what he started with. So if you're the same place you were when you got born again, knock it off. Time to get up and grow. I said, it's time to get up and grow. Well, I don't want to. Then get up and go. Because you're either going to grow or you're going to go. You know, can I just share something with you? I probably don't have to worry about you know, building a coliseum for thousands and thousands of people to sit in. That's not my goal. My goal is to get you to win in life. Okay? I said my goal is to get you to win in life. So that when you, and the only way to prove you can win is to go on into battle. If you always skirt it, ooh, got by without that one, you're not winning. You're hiding. I was talking to Noe. You don't care if I say this to you. They probably will. I was talking to Noe the other day. And I just asked this question. What did David use to defeat Goliath? He said, 
stones. I said, get some. I can't believe he said that. I can't believe we act so stupid. I'm in a battle. You're a stupid warrior. Of course you're in a battle. It isn't easy. I have strength for all things. I don't like it. Not my will, but thine be done. I'd love to be skinny if I didn't have to sweat. Let's pray. You know what? You have more in you than you realize. I said, you have more in you than you realize. I want you to reach over and take somebody's hand, you know. Just, and if you're too far, reach in front or reach back. Or if you're all by yourself, put your hands on your head or whatever. But God, we just stir up the gift. Stir up the gift in each other. God, we don't want to be a people that have learned how to comfort without learning how to encourage. We need courage more than we need comfort. We need courage to, to run into the battle, to demonstrate the enemy's defeat. God, at the end of the day, we, we don't want to be a people that your word didn't profit us. God, we are going to humiliate hell. So God, bless my brother, bless my sister, strengthen, strengthen this person, God, that I'm reaching out towards. God, infuse them with an inner strength. Cause the fire of God, the zeal of God to stir up on the inside of them that they refuse to live like somebody who ain't got God. God, we don't want to almost be the people of God. We want to be who you've called us to be. So we rise up right now in Jesus' name. I think we ought to give God just a big shout and a big praise and thank you. Hey, look at me real quick. And I, I'm on my third closing now. So, so just check this out. Just check it out. You see, a lot of us, we think what, what kept Jesus on the cross, man, it was love. Love kept Jesus on the cross. When, when, when he could have taken himself down and could have saved himself and could have rescued himself. But it was his love. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm not diminishing the love of God for you. But let me tell you, love isn't what kept him on the cross. Courage did. Courage to believe God. That I'm going to die, but you're going to raise me back up. That you're going to give me a bride that was worth dying for. That you're going to do everything that you said you're going to do. Let me tell you what you need today. You, you know, I know you love God. How many of you love God? Everybody, yeah, I love God. But what you need is courage. You need the courage to believe God. And if somebody near you says, you know, hey, if you go too far with this God stuff, you're going alone. Go alone. You get up and leave Jack Wagon back there. I'm going to miss you, but I'm going into the future that God has for me. Somebody walks out on you, leaves your life, wipe the tear away, and thank God, God's got better for me. Don't you let some person separate you from God's best for your life. Now we're going to pray a prayer together. And some of you are here, and you've been doing life almost with God. And, and I, wa I want you to take a step and, and say, no, you know what? Today that changes. 
This prayer that we're praying, I'm not going to almost pray it. This life that's been offered to me, I'm not going to almost live it. I'm, I'm going to make a deal with God. He gets my life, I'm giving it to him. But I get God life because he's offering it to me. So I'm going to make that exchange today. I'm going to make this prayer my prayer. And, and, and if you're here today and, and you know what, and you have enough courage to just say, hey, that's what I'm going to do. Uh, uh, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to live for Jesus. I just want you to hold your hand up really hot. Well, are people going to bow their heads yet? Oh, have some courage. Thank you. 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 It's awesome. Thank you. That's awesome. Okay, everybody in here, let's just pray. Father, today, say it. I know I need you. I need your love. I need your acceptance. I need your forgiveness. Come into my life. Change me from the inside out. Give me hope. Give me strength. Give me vision. I choose to live for you every day of my life. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for setting me free. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Come on, give God a shout.